Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Once upon a time, there was a woman named Bridget who practically glowed with the joy of her faith. See, where other people talked about religion, not Bridget, she lived out her faith. So other people, they would complain about the weather or politics, but Bridget somehow found a way to look forward to each tomorrow, to anticipate another day of joy that set her apart from other people. Bridget was the kind of person where when churches got together and sort of things bogged down with planning and committees and trying to figure out what to do, Bridget just went to work. She went to work serving others, supporting them, bringing comfort to people wherever she could. And as Bridget did this, something peculiar happened with her. She developed this kind of glow about her. And the more she lived out her faith, the more she served others, the more she spread that love and joy that was in her, the more she began to glow and glow until people started to notice that light coming from Bridget. Now that was weird. It was weird because in this world, that's not how things worked. The light did not come from people. It rather was set up artificially. See, people would live in such a way that they would have these little mini portable lights, and those lights would shine on them so that other people would see them, so that they would notice them, so they would see how important they were. But that wasn't how the light worked with Bridget. Her light didn't shine on her, rather it shone from her and brought light to all of the people around her. But there was a problem, because the more she lived out that joy of her faith, the more her light grew and grew and grew, and people started not to like to be around Bridget. Bridget wasn't very popular. Because the more that light shone from inside of her, it was a bright light. And it showed every fault and flaw in each and every person. There was nothing that could hide from that light. And so people started to keep their distance from Bridget. When asked about it, Bridget said, oh, I don't mind. See, for every person that sort of runs away from this light, There are other people that are drawn closer and closer to it. You see, there are some people who have grown tired of trying to manufacture their own light. There are other people out there who have grown tired of trying to stand outside of the twilight that they have made. Because this light, it's actually not my light. I I didn't do this. This is God's light shining in me and through me. And so for every person that's turned away, there are others who have just grown tired of living in the darkness. There are others who won't put up with that fear any longer. Instead, they come to this light. Now, obviously, that's kind of a 
made-up story. That's not really true. People don't glow with lights. But imagine what would happen if that were true. What would our world be like? What would we be like? Do you think that would be a good thing if the more we lived out our faith that we would emanate this light that would shine on everybody around us? It could be a really good thing. But knowing our sinful ways, it could also turn out to be a very dreadful thing. Because what would probably happen is we would see our light glow and we would immediately start looking at the people around us as well as we see their light glow. And maybe we'd think, okay, well, I guess my light could shine a little brighter. But you know what? It's not as bad as that person's light. Their light's really dim, so I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Sinful people that we are, it would probably quickly turn into a contest. We would compare ourselves with one another, and we would always be trying to find our place in that pecking order. So maybe it's a good thing that we don't actually glow as we live out our faith. But there is something about that story that does ring true, that we are important vessels of God's light, of that message of Jesus, of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. It was there in Isaiah 64 that Isaiah talks about us as being like pots, clay pots in the hands of our Heavenly Father, and he forms us and fashions us to be used, to be used for him. Pots are important part of living back in the ancient days that they held many important things and without them, people couldn't live their lives. So while we may look down on a clay pot and think that it's not important, that it's pedestrian, that it's ordinary, it's oh so important. And you couldn't have life without it. And so when Isaiah says that we are like clay pots, we might think, well, okay, that means we're nothing ordinary. And that's true. But to the right person, we are important and useful. And what is more, in the hands of that potter, our God, that heavenly designer, he made us for a specific use. Not all pots are the same, and we are not all the same. Some are meant for one thing, some are meant for another. It does us no good to try to compare ourselves to one another, but instead we see that we are all important and useful in our own ways. God has created us to be so. But in the ancient world, those pots are important, not just because they are pots, they weren't just decorations, they were important for what they would hold. And so it is for God, our Heavenly Father. As he creates us, as he forms us and fashions us, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4-7, we read it in our prayer, that we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Because in God's logic, he puts the most important thing he could ever put 
into something that is earthly, something that is fragile, something that is breakable, something that is common and pedestrian. People like you and me. He puts the most important thing in them. What's that? His Holy Spirit. The gift of faith. The gift of forgiveness. The gift and the promise of everlasting life. That great hope of the resurrection. All of these things he puts in those clay pots that is into you and into me. And that's different than what we would do. We would not put the most important thing that we have in something so fragile, something so breakable, something that seems unimportant. Instead, we would put it in a place of honor, in something that everybody might see, someplace that is safe and secure. But that's not what God does, to show that he works differently than we do which is a message that we all need to hear. Because if the world operated according to our design, as I said, it probably wouldn't work out very well. We would skew it in such a way that it serves us, but in serving us as individuals, it might be hurting the people around us. Instead, our God shapes this world. He fashions it. And this world is not the perfect world. It is a broken world, a world of sin and corruption and chaos. But in God's hand, he can form it and fashion it in such a way that he can make good come from even those things that we call bad. That's a hope and a promise that we have because God is the potter, because he is the one in control. But there's something else about that image of the the pot and the potter. We may like to think that we are special and important on our own. Why, Why does God have to do something more to us? Why does he have to add something? Aren't we good enough by ourselves? And the truth is that we are not even empty pots. We might think, well, I could fill myself with the right thing and then I could become important. But it doesn't even work that way. Isaiah said, all of our righteous deeds are like filthy rags before God. The problem with us is that we are so sinfully corrupted that even when we try to do good things, we may be doing them out of the wrong motive. We may be doing them out of our own selfish interests. And so to God, that good thing might be good. It might help somebody around us, but in his eyes it doesn't count for much. In fact, it puts us on the wrong side of the ledger. So God sees us not merely as empty pots with something that he could fill. He sees us as sinful, as broken, as useless pottery. But he promises to fix us. He promises to restore us. In fact, that's why he sends his son Jesus into this world. That is the advent that we yearn for and celebrate, that Jesus did come and that he will come once again. Why did he come? He came to bring us that hope, 
that forgiveness, that life. But he will come again to restore all things to the way God wants them to be so that we don't live in a world of suffering, a world of corruption, a world of brokenness. One of the problems that we're faced with in our current times is that we see the problem in our world as COVID, or maybe it's people who misunderstand COVID and don't think about it like we do. Either it's the world's biggest problem that needs to be solved or it's overblown and we are so busy fighting one another about it. But medical progress seems to have brought us to a place where a vaccine is just around the corner. This thing that we thought was a problem, this thing that has ruined so many of our plans this year, it might go away. It might not be a problem anymore. Well, then what will happen to our lives? We've made this out to be the enemy. Once it's gone, what will happen? Paradise, right? Everything will go back to being perfect just like it was before. No. See, the problem isn't out there. The problem isn't the world. The problem isn't other people. God shows us that the problem begins right here. All of us, individually, we are broken vessels. We are in need of God's coming. We are in need of his forgiveness. But we have that. We have received that. God has restored us and renewed us. But we're still sinful creatures. We still fall short. We still may be uncomfortable around that light of Christ because it shows all of our faults, all of our blemishes, all of our defects, all of our sin. We may not always like that, but God can use that too. He forgives. He heals. He promises that everlasting healing in the resurrection that is still to come. See, a, a family was on a vacation in Europe, and they were going around to some of the old cathedrals and seeing the beautiful buildings and the stained glass windows. And a child asked his mother, who are all of those people on, on those stained glass windows? And the mom said, well, those are God's saints. And the little boy says, ah, oh, that makes sense. They're the people that God's light shines through. That's what we are too. As broken vessels, as fragile clay pots, we may not look perfect, we may not be pristine, but filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the light of Christ, it shines. It shines through us, even in our brokenness, to declare that message of hope to a world around us. Yes, even for sinners, there is hope. There is forgiveness. There is life in Jesus Christ. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in that same Jesus Christ, who is our Lord 
and risen Savior. Amen.